Who is Jesus? What is he doing? And what does it mean to follow him in the world today? My name is Matt Lewis. This is the Follower Podcast, and everyone is invited to the conversation. Welcome to mountain number six. This is the mountain that I've called less. And really what it's about is about choosing humility at the mountain of pride. The story happens in Taplejong, this village. We've been up in the mountains of the Himalayas uh, for a while now. And we've been doing ministry of, of like teaching in churches and, and working with leaders and, and different pastoral care things. And it's been really, really great. And, and I guess... All of this stuff has really been within my skill set, in my toolbox of stuff that I've been doing in different ways for quite a long time. And then um, there's this day where our leaders pull us aside and tell us we're going to be going to a school in the area and we're going to be working with students in the school. So I'm thinking, yeah, that's great. I'll take, I'll take the teenagers, you know, give me some 18 year olds, give me some 17 year olds. We can sit down, we can talk about the deep things of life, you know, get all philosophical with one another. And then they tell me that that actually our work's going to be primarily with really, really young people. But I'm talking like really young people. <laughs> so, so small children and then up until, I don't know, maybe like the top, top end of that was maybe like 10, 11, 12 with a scattering of, of teenagers in there. And I've got to be honest, the first time I heard that, I thought to myself, seriously? Um, <laughs> there was a part of me that was kind of like, oh man, I, I'm really not looking forward to this. And, uh, and, and here's what I'll do. I'll let, I'll let the rest of the team lead and then I'll just support from the background because that, that, be that would be the great thing to do, you know. And I, there's actually footage of me. I can remember it so clearly. We went to the school the first time and uh, some of my other friends on the team were leading that particular day. And man, we went out into the playground as part of the lesson, Right. Because, because obviously, you know, my picture of things is that things of substance have to be around a table, maybe with a whiteboard and maybe on a video like this. And, and maybe the things that really matter always are complex ideas. And, and so it, I, I guess I wasn't expecting that someone would build a lesson where one of the key components of that was, a, was running around like crazy people on a field for about 10 minutes. And there's actually a video of me there I'm off to the side, leaning up against the fence, and I'm just, honestly, I'm a little bit traumatized <laughs> by what's going on. I'm like, I am overwhelmed. There's so much noise. There's so much shouting. People are running around. There's screaming. There's energy. There's excitement. And I'm looking out at this, thinking to myself, not only what am I doing here, but what am I supposed to do here? Like, I don't, I don't know what to do with this thing. I don't, how, I don't know what to do with my hands, you know? <laughs> it's that kind of experience where I really, I guess I, I reached the limit of what I was capable of. And then, here's where it gets even better. After that first day, my leaders tell me that I actually, with some other friends, will we'll be leading the next day. So it's our job to put together a lesson plan, our job to figure out the content, our job to, to decide how that day of ministry is going to go with the same crowd of screaming small people. <laughs> and uh, I remember thinking, I, I'm not, I don't know if I can do this. Not only I don't know if I can do this, I don't know if I want to do this. And yet I'm there, 
right? For some reason, God has me in that place. And, and I would just say to you, there's already a lesson, right, in that. Sometimes you find yourself in the midst of things that you would actually rather not be doing, rather not be a part of, not, not sure that you can do those things. But God's not sleeping on the job of your life, right? And, and He's not surprised by the places where you are. And sometimes some of the deepest things He wants to do in you are in the places you would least like to be. And so we have a choice. We can either resist what God is trying to do in our lives through these uncomfortable environments, or we can just yield to them and ask ourselves the question, not so much, why is this happening to me? But God, what are you doing in the moment? See, I could have been preoccupied with God. Why do you have me in a school with, with this, this crowd of young people and I don't have the skill for it or the passion for it or the desire for it? And I, I could have got all grumpy and I could have got all self-righteous in that place and I could have put my foot down and said, no, I didn't sign up for this. I didn't come across a nation to come and run around on a field with a bunch of small people. Or I could have asked the question, which is ultimately what ended up happening, uh, God, you have me here. Why? Somehow in your wisdom, I'm here in the school with these young people. So God, why are you, why, what do you want to do here? What, what is it that you're trying to teach me? Not God, why is this happening? Why is this happening? Get me out of here. More, what are you trying to teach me in the midst of it? What's, what lessons buried in the midst of this experience? And so by the grace of God, I adopt that heart posture. And I remember I, I pulled aside for a little while. And I went in and sat by myself and really had a conversation with the Lord. And I thought to myself, okay, God, I'm going to have to put together a whole day of teaching tomorrow for this group of people that I honestly, I'm not really that passionate about. And if I'm going to do it and do it well, Lord, you need to change something in my heart. And I remember sitting there and listening. And very quickly, that passage came to mind where Jesus is with his friends and the little children want to come to him. And let me just read it to you, and then I'll share with you some of the thoughts. So this comes out of Matthew chapter 19. It says this, um, Then they brought little children to Jesus, so that he would lay his hands on them, bless them, and pray for them. But the disciples scolded those who brought the children, saying, Don't bother him with this now. Jesus overheard them and said, I want little children to come to me, so never interfere with them when they want to come. For heaven's kingdom realm is composed of beloved ones like these. Listen to this truth. No one will enter the kingdom realm of heaven unless he becomes like one of these. Then he laid his hands on each of them and went away. And that... As that passage came into my mind and as I started to, I guess, really sit and just hold it in front of myself, a, a few things started to pop up. Number one, notice the context of the place. Notice what's happening around Jesus. There's a crowd of people, right? Notice that there are other people bringing children to Jesus. So something in Jesus makes those who are watching him think to themselves, he would be a safe place for the little ones. He, he, he should bless them. He should pray for them. In that culture, there would have been something about the, the, the rabbi blessing, the, the elder person blessing over the children. You know? Even with our friends that we stayed with in Bertamo, they had this beautiful tradition of 
Every night when the young children would go to bed in the home, they would come up to our friend who was the head of the home and he would give them a blessing, a blessing, a blessing. Each one of them would receive a blessing before they went to bed. And so it's that kind of picture that that these people are bringing the children to Jesus. Because there's something about Jesus that makes him a safe place for little ones. And yet, notice, notice who resists that idea. It's not the people who are opposed to Jesus. It's the closest friends of Jesus. It's those people who've been following Jesus for a long time. Those people who are in his inner circle, the disciples. And, and what is it that they say? Don't bother him with this now. As in, maybe this matters, but this matters later. Why? Because right now, he's busy with more important things. And so don't bother him with these little children because, because he's, got, he's got other things to do. And I thought to myself, in that story, I'm them. I'm the disciples, right? Jesus, don't, don't bother me with the school ministry now. We have more important things to do. Jesus, we didn't fly across the world to come to this country to, to run around with small kids on a field for a week. There's more important things to do here. And, and I just thought, isn't that often what happens in ministry? And ironically, isn't that often the posture of heart that people who are followers of Jesus take? Yeah? Somehow we think that Jesus is concerned with the important things. And as a result, we miss the kingdom. Because what does Jesus say? No, no bring the children to me. I always want the children to come. In fact... This whole thing, let me turn this into a lesson right now for you. Unless your heart is like the heart of these little ones, you probably won't see the kingdom realm of the reality of God. And and I think that challenges me because I don't think in this moment Jesus is calling us to be childish. I think he's calling us to be childlike. And and I guess the question is, what's the difference there? Well, well, the difference maybe is that the children don't think much of themselves. Not because they think less of themselves, but because in the great words of C.S. Lewis, they think of themselves less. The gaze of a child is outward. Their eyes are lifted to the world around them, things that are happening all over the place. They are fascinated by the trees and the leaves and the bugs and the birds and the, and the, and the rivers and the rocks, right? Their hearts are here. They're seeing the wonder. And maybe they have eyes to see Jesus in a way that we don't have eyes to see Jesus. It's interesting in the writings of C.S. Lewis when he talks about Narnia and he explains this world and how only children can experience Narnia, how somehow when we become adults, we lose the capacity to join Aslan in the world of Narnia. And I just think there's something in that. And so I was challenged deeply by this idea that Jesus is not calling me to be childish, but he's calling me to be childlike. And not, not to enter into this day of serving these kids begrudgingly and uh, as if I'm kind of doing them some kind of favor, but to recognize actually that this is an opportunity for me to enter into the kingdom realm in a new way. And that maybe my years of ministry have built up in me a kind of resilience to the reality of God, which is composed of, of my assumptions that the only things that really matter are those things of adult concern. And how sometimes in ministry land, children's ministry can, can be the sum total of babysitting, right? Look after the kids. Let them not make a noise while we get on with the important stuff of loving Jesus over here with the adults. Man, and I think I, 
I think I believe that. I think I believe that somehow the depths of God and, and, this, and this idea of salvation and knowing Jesus was somehow linked to our intellectual ability to comprehend that rather than our innocence to enter into it. And so I think in this moment, there was this invitation from God to say, Matt, if you'll trust me with this, if you'll step into this, even though you don't feel like it, even though you might not desire it, but if you'll step in, I'm going to meet you there and I'm going to show you something new about myself. And then I remember saying yes to that, but not without a prayer. And my prayer was simply this, Lord, I, I, I don't feel this right now. Uh, honestly, I don't desire this right now. But if you're calling me to do this, I'll do this. Because I want to love the children. I don't want to be the disciples in the story, chasing them away because we're, we're busy with more important things. I want the kingdom reality. I want what you have for me. So if you're calling me to this Jesus, I'll go. But God, you've got to give me a heart. It caused me to love them the way you love them. I don't want them to experience anything from me that doesn't look like you. And so I wake up the next day, we've put together a curriculum and this curriculum for the day looks like ridiculous skits of David and Goliath. It looks like uh, games out on the, on the field. We're playing limbo with, with these kids. Uh, we're running around, uh, we're playing statues, we're drawing pictures and, it's, and none of it is deep, profound philosophy or is it right and so I wake up the next day with my team and to be honest still not feeling much but ready to go in obedience to the place that God's called me and we walk up to the school and as we're walking up to the school little children start to gather around us and they're singing their songs in anticipation of us coming to their school because remember we're in a very rural mountain village and so we walk up to the school and by now we've kind of gathered a, a whole crowd of little people and they follow us into the school and we walk into the classroom with them. And now it's time to start. And, and as yet, still not feeling anything, but I step out in obedience. And all I can say to you is, as I stepped out into the obedience of what called, God called me to do, it's as if he met me there. And all of a sudden, man, my heart was opened with love for these little people. It's like that room went from black and white to color in a moment. It's like I could see them. And all of a sudden, they're smiling faces looking back at me and me looking at them and seeing the stories that they were drawing on their piece of paper as they remembered what we'd been teaching them over these last days and, and being able to tell them the stories of David and Goliath and Esther and all these incredible hero, heroes of the faith and calling them to be brave in the midst of life's challenges and, and even running around on the field with them playing playing um, statues and playing limbo and watching them get so excited about that. All of a sudden, I realized the reality of the kingdom realm that was there in the midst, but I had been missing it because I was too busy with other things. You see, sometimes, and, and I would say not sometimes, probably always, we, we run the risk of getting too full of ourselves, taking ourselves too seriously. Now, don't get me wrong. We take the work of the kingdom very seriously, but not ourselves. We recognize that, that, that at the end of the day, we're just people in the hands of God being used for eternal purposes. We are jars of clay, right? And so sometimes, and, and this is the lesson I learned from that, if I'm not careful, I, I, can, I can allow my, my perception of what I think is important to rob me of what is truly important. And remember, it's not an either or thing. I mean, I'm making this video, right? I still love the deep thoughts and the conversations and a message to a room full of adults is as valuable as a message to a room full of children or sitting with a small child and just drawing pictures with that person all day long. 
There's something simple that happens when we open ourselves up to the places where God would want to connect with us rather than we, where we think he should connect with us. And, and why is this an issue of humility? Well, because humility is willing to receive whatever's given. But pride tries to control the ways and means of that negotiation, of that context, of that conversation. Pride and this is what pride does. Pride is, pride is like this inflatable balloon, right? It gets bigger and bigger and bigger in us. And as it gets bigger and bigger in us, it tends to lift us up, lift us up. And, we, and, and this, is, this is the ancient challenge. We, we, we hit the ceiling of our humanity and then we want to go past that ceiling and we want to become God. But actually the right place of flourishing, and we've spoken about this before, the right place of flourishing for the human being, that place where we really do become Imago Dei, is not when we try to replace God, but when we're in submission to God. Right? When we take our rightful place beneath Him as, as Lord, in submission to Him as Lord. And, and that requires a kind of childlikeness, a kind of father-son relationship, father-daughter relationship where we understand that we get our daily bread from Him, uh, that we're not self-determining, that everything is gift. Everywhere we look, everything is gift, right? And if we have the eyes of a child, those eyes that are open to receive, those eyes that get excited about the small treasures that are hidden in everyday life, that's when we start to enter into the gift that God has for us. And so the invitation of the kingdom of God is not that we would strive to be more, but actually that we would become less. I think about the two brothers who come and stand with Jesus as he's walking down the street one day. And they said, when you're in your power, when you're in your glory, when you're seated on the throne, can we sit on your left and on your right? And then Jesus says to them, that's not how things work in my kingdom. Because in the kingdoms of the world, uh, people want to be great. right? People are busy with more important things. But in this kingdom reality of God, it's actually the least of these that are going to be the greatest. It's actually the servant who's going to lead. Right? And then there's this conversation where he's washing the feet of his disciples in this incredible act of stripping down, of becoming less, of humility. And then he says, no servant is greater than his master. And if I've done this for you, do this also for one another. And so it's not about being childish. It's not even about washing feet. It's about a posture of a heart that positions oneself uh, at the bottom. This picture of downward mobility rather than upward mobility, right? Upward mobility, pride, ego, self, being all the things that the world calls us to continuously. And yet Jesus calling us to the humble path of being a servant. And I think I learned that lesson to a greater degree that day. I think that day my eyes were opened to discover that the kingdom reality is found in the world of a child. In that simple world that, that, whose eyes are open, whose hearts are open to receive the gift that God has for them every single day. And, that, and so the question then for you and the question for me as we face this mountain of, of pride every single day would be, uh, where is God inviting you to get low? Right? There's that beautiful picture in the, in the scriptures where it says when you go to a, a party, when you go to a celebration, don't try and take the most important place at the table because someone more important than you may come. But, but rather just seat yourself somewhere else on the table and then the host of the party, if he wants to, he'll elevate you to that place of importance, that place of prominence. And that, that other passage where it talks about the, this idea that if we humble ourselves before God, we'll be exalted. But if we try and exalt ourselves, then God will humble us. 
And so in some ways, humility is coming either way. Uh, <laughs> you're either going to crash into the reality of who God is and have to deal with it then, or you can choose it in advance as a heart posture. Again, not to think less of yourself, not about self-deprecation, but to think about yourself less, to be more fascinated with the realities of who God is than you are preoccupied with your assumptions of what your rights are and what you should have and what you should get. And I think when we posture ourselves like this, all of a sudden our eyes are open to the kingdom of God. It's all around us. And so maybe for you, you've been asking questions of where is God? Why does God seem so far away? Uh, Father, I'm looking for opportunities to serve you, to know you, to experience you. And maybe the reason you haven't been finding those opportunities is because they've been hidden in the plain sight of the places that you have said are unimportant. Because maybe you've been busy with the important things when all the time the reality of the kingdom of God has been waiting to be discovered by you through the eyes of a child. For me, that looked like children's ministry. And in it, I found the joy of presence of God to the reality of his kingdom. And not only was I blessed, but they were blessed as I stepped out in obedience. So, so what does that look like for you? What is that thing where you've said, God, I... I'm not equipped for this. I actually don't desire this. Honestly, Jesus, I'm busy with more important things. And, and how might you discover new realities and dimensions of the kingdom of God if you meet him in that place that he's inviting you to? That's a great question to be asking today.